with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, a Bashir episode. <laughs> uh, ah yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? <laughs> no, I have no eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? <laughs> how does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. Hey guys, welcome back to another warptastic, star spanerific episode of Fanholes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your Starfleet commanders tonight, and I am not alone. I am joined by two of my fellow Fanholes. Give a shout out, Starfleet officers, and let everybody know who's going to be on 10 Forward tonight. Hey, it's Mike, and I don't need a lecture from you. I've been podcasting since you were in short pants. This is Justin. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah, so if you couldn't tell from the cryptic comments, we have been doing a lot of Star Trek coverage this year, and it is mainly because it is a anniversary year for many, many of the Star Trek films. And we are actually on the 25th anniversary of the feature film Star Trek Generations. And I, I think w- without hogging up the, the bandwidth of, of what this movie is all about, I, I think anybody listening probably knows, you know, Captain Kirk meets Captain Picard. But yeah, we, we definitely wanted to get into it and discuss the episode. So all of us got together tonight. We've rewatched the film along with various other probably homework and things that, that we want to discuss and talk about and everything. But I guess, you know, just to sort of kick it off, Justin, this this kind of was your baby. You know, you, you kind of wanted to cover all these Star Trek films, and we have done some of the other ones because of their anniversary. And I I would argue, I mean, because this is this is something I sort of have to preface this with. I know I know you kind of wanted this to be a, a celebration of of all these films, you know, anniversary wise. And I, I definitely want to adhere to that. And then I guess what I was just going to say, though, was to to kick that off, at least. And I I don't know how true I can hold to that, but I'm going to try my damnedest. But this film, I feel like, and I've always said this, was was Star Trek at the zenith of its popularity. Like this was this was when it was at the height of its popularity. You know, like I think Star Trek The Next Generation attracted a, a whole new bunch of fans and people that were into star trek for the first time like they were on the like co- me like like mike they they were on the cover of time magazine and and i kind of feel like this movie i mean i i know this is going to be hard for people to swallow but like if you weren't there right you, you probably don't have too much to compare it to other than present day stuff but i mean i kind of feel like you know not not that this movie made billions and billions of dollars like comparatively but i kind of feel like the way the Marvel Cinematic Universe has 
billions and billions of fans that are not into comic books or Marvel comics, but it created like this whole new fan base. Like, I, I feel like this is a similar era for Star Trek where you had fans of the original series and fans of the next generation. And they were all lining up to see this movie. And on top of that, people who maybe were not normally interested in Star Trek were caught up in the zeitgeist of the moment and, and all kind of went to see this film. So I think the film had a lot of pressure on it, but I feel like it was in this era where I guess Similar to being a fan of a comic book, I mean, I, I know a lot of a lot of people kind of talk about this, and and they we talk about we're in an age where it's it's a wonderful age for to be a fan of of comics of of sci-fi and popular culture and things like that. But there there was an era where if you liked say Star Trek instead of Star Wars, you were you know a fucking nerd or whatever. You know what I mean? Like like you were you were looked down upon or ostracized or whatever, right? And it's the same thing with kids who read comics or whatever it was. There were there were certain aspects where you weren't, you know, K E W L if you read comics or you liked Star Trek or all that other stuff. And and I feel like this era of Star Trek and, you know, I could be mistaken, but this is from my personal perspective. I feel like this era of Star Trek, when Star Trek Generations came out, it transcended that. Like, there were people that were finally like, you know what? It's cool. You're, you're, it's okay to like Star Trek, and you're not going to get, you know, lambasted or, or sort of treated unfairly for kind of being like, dude, you know, you know, rock your Star Trek love or whatever. So I, I guess that's that's my my olive branch to kicking off the the positivity for uh, speaking about Star Trek Generations. But I, I just kind of wanted to pick Justin's brain. Like, where were you when this all kind of went down? Like, what was your general perspective of the atmosphere when the film was released? So first of all, this may be my baby, but I, I don't like this baby. Like, this is an ugly baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay well that, um, that 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 alleviates some of my concern okay right so where like where was i like i was um like i was in the shit were you in the shit yeah i was in the shit like i was a huge star trek fan like i was you know watching every episode reading almost every comic almost every book like buying all the toys and everything like i was in it and I didn't get to see Star Trek five or six in the theater. Like I missed out. I there was no way I was gonna me- miss this movie because this is Kirk meeting Picard. Like this was a huge event. Like as soon as Next Generation began, like fans were arguing who was better. Well, they were finally gonna meet, and there was no way I was gonna miss this. So like I begged, and I finally got to see this movie in the theater. I think this is the first movie that I saw. That I was hyped up for and it disappointed me. I don't know if I was like way too hyped up for it or or what, but I just remember leaving the movie theater. I was just so disappointed in it. And a lot of that is from Kirk's death. And then I was not a fan of the Enterprise D being taken out by a bird of prey. I don't know, just Data acts so over the top. Like he he he's a little too much in those scenes. Like when 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 him and Jordy are like investigating the observatory or whatever, and he's just laughing and all this stuff. I'm just like, this is kind of irritating. So that's why I'm like, I don't like this baby. But um, but yeah, like I I was in the shit. I was hyped for this, and then I remember seeing this. You know, my mom took me, and I remember just leaving the theater, and I was just like, 
I don't think I like that. And that was the first time I ever experienced that. What, what about yourself, Mike? Like, since we're sort of kicking it off with sort of the, the atmosphere, the zeitgeist of the era when the movie came out, and you, you've already kind of indicated to the listening audience, like, you were, th- th- this era of Star Trek, the next generation was what kind of was your gateway into Star Trek, period. So is there is there something else that you can impart as far as, like, how you came to this movie like what was your anticipation level high like justin's and my own or did were you just kind of like yeah the this was a cool show i'll check out the the movie did you get to see it in the theater like those kind of things well yeah like i have a totally different perspective than you guys because like not only had i you know i i had just been watching you know next generation reruns and like my parents actually watched next generation kind of regularly which was a like you know a very odd occurrence for my dad because like as i've told you guys he's not really big into science fiction but like you're kind of saying derek like you know next generation kind of like sometimes would you know bridge the gap a little for more like casual people like to enjoy so you know we we didn't enjoy watching it together and like I did not see this in the theater and like uh, I, I think like my, when it came out on VHS, my dad was like, oh, hey, you want to see that like Star Trek movie? And I was like, yeah, like, the, you know, I had been watching the reruns like fairly regu- regularly and like I, I was kind of excited for it. And I think I joked in like our very first Star Trek like podcast ever that like when I watched this movie, I had zero context for who like Kirk was basically like I, I just you know, I think my dad might have said, oh, that's, you know, this is the crew from the original, like, show from the 60s. And I was I was probably pretty dismissive of that. Like, I, I was probably Wait, like, is, is that the episode where you were like, you're talking about Kirk and you were like, who is this fat old guy? <laughs> yes, yes. I remember that. <laughs> I was like, who is this fat fucking? Why is he melting off the Picard? Like, like. And now, obviously, I didn't like, you know, say that. I was probably like, I think I was like twelve at the time. But like that—that that was like the attitude I had. I was like, "Who the hell is this guy? Like, and why is he so? Why is Picard like, you know, kowtowing to him? And why is he so important? And you know, all, all I had was like my dad telling me, "Oh, you know, you know, that's William Shatner. That's the original captain from the show before this one." And I was kind of like, oh, "Okay, I guess so." Like, and and like I. I mean, the movie, like, you know, to be fair, the movie stays with the next generation cast, like for, you know, 80 percent of it. So, I mean, it's their movie. And but but like the, you know, the time with, you know, Scotty and Chekhov and Kirk at the beginning and then Kirk showing up at the end, like that really had no like further significance to me other than being part of the overall plot, basically. So like the the first time I saw this, like I said, I, I. I think I thought it was pretty good. And like, I, I didn't, you know, when, when Kirk dies at the end, I was kind of like, Oh, well now the fat guy's dead. Okay. Whatever. Like, you know, like at least Picard's alive. Like, so I I didn't have like a whole lot of like, you know, nostalgia. Well, I had zero nostalgia for the original show and like, I, I had no real context for it either. So, I mean, like, I, I think the first time, like after I saw this, I liked it. But, you know, over the years, rewatching it, like I kind of have swung around to, like you know, putting my nostalgia aside, I kind of swung around and said, yeah, this is kind of one of the weakest movies, I'd say, like in general, like and and since I saw it with no 
built-in like nostalgia love for the original cast like it it was kind of like doubly disappointing i guess like because then i'm once i did get like an appreciation for the original cast after seeing like you know some of the original series and the original movies i was kind of like oh yeah this is kind of a weak showing for them too so like it's almost doubly disappointing like in that context well, I mean, this makes me feel a little better just because I, I was slightly concerned, like, that, that since I, I am pretty critical of this movie and I, I had been since I'd seen it, like, I, I was a little nervous because I was like, oh, well, are we, are we celebrating the movie or we, you know, have you come to, uh, praise Caesar or, or not, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, but, I guess going into like specifics of of the movie and everything, like th- th- this might get a little deep, but I, I kind of want to talk to you guys about this because I think this movie brainwashed me. Like, and and I'm gonna get into why, but but like, okay, so probably one of the better acting moments in the film, or or more, you know, kind of. To me, I think it's actually a good moment because it did impact me. But again, I, I feel like I feel like it impacted me way too much, and it was actually detrimental in uh, in its impact. But uh, so I'm I'm just gonna try to explain this. So Patrick Stewart can have his Oscar caliber acting moment is and 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 this this also at the heart of it has the same problem I have with the entire film too, and and we'll probably get into that as well. But Picard gets a a uh, subspace transmission that tells him his his family has perished in a fire, and and that was the family that we met in the episode Brothers. So his his older brother, his nephew, like basically his his entire family line has now perished in this fire. Okay, and when Picard finally opens up a little bit about it to counselor Troy. He has this moment with her where he goes into kind of, you know, she, she kind of can sense, you know, it's, that's her job, right? She's supposed to sense emotions and all this other stuff and kind of pick up on things. And so she's, she's basically explaining to him how he feels better than he can comprehend it at the moment because he's in the middle of this emotional grief and he still has to maintain his composure and command the enterprise. And she explains it to him as you didn't think you had to carry on the family name and your history as a Picard means a lot to you. And, and he realizes as he starts saying this back, yeah, there were Picards going back to, you know, all these historical periods, this time to that time, the Picards that did this, the Picards that did that. And, and she basically says, it's okay that you feel this way, but you thought that, you know, once your brother Robert had offspring, like it was not your responsibility to carry on the family line. And for some stupid fucking reason, like, of everything that's in this movie that I can't stand and we've described that, that you know, we think is kind of stupid or goofy or didn't work for us or did, you know, whatever the impact didn't have on us. For some reason, that moment, like, held a lot of impact with me for some reason. So much so, I feel like, not too recently, but maybe like a year ago or something like that, I had this weird conversation with my dad. and. What's funny is like, and you guys will probably laugh at this, but, but he basically was like, you know, you don't got to worry about the crab name because that's just a made up bullshit name. And I was like, really? And he's like, well, yeah, if we go back far enough, he's like, 
you know, he's like, our, if you go back far enough in our, our family line, he's like, well, you know, my grandfather's real name was Battle because he was uh, Chickasaw. So it's like, really, his name would have been like Billy Battle. Like, and that's what my grandfather's name would have been. But because his mother remarried and all this other stuff, so we got this name Crab, and it only had one B on it. And then my grandma wanted it to be sounding French or something stupid, so they added the B and the E, so it was like Buster Crab and all this other stuff. So anyway, totally revealing too much. People can probably, like, attack my Social Security number now and all this other stuff. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Point is, I took that scene and thought, and felt guilty for a long time because of things that happened in my life. And, 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 you know, I, I guess when my mom passed away and all this other stuff, like I felt really guilty. Like I was like, I didn't give anybody grandkids. I'm not married. I, you know, I didn't, I I, like the crab name is probably going to fucking die with me. Like, and, and, and I felt really bad about that for a long time. And anyway, that's why this movie brainwashed me because it's total bullshit. And it was funny because I, 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 when I talked to my dad about it and then he kind of explained that to me, he's like, oh, this isn't even our real name, like technically. Do you know what I mean? And then I went, oh, I've been feeling like stupid about this for this whole time for like no good reason. <laughs> so, so anyway, that I, I know that's like heavy and deep for a minute and that's probably not what you're planning on talking about because we were going to talk about like stupid shit like data acting like fucking, uh, uh, you know, doing yellow tights and you're a dick jokes or whatever, you know, like in X-Men or something, which don't hold up to the test of time. But I did, I did just kind of want to get that off my chest because, like, I'm, I'm kind of like, not only are there a lot of stupid things in Star Trek Generations, but this thing, like, fucked with my head for a long time. So I'm like, fuck you, Star Trek Generations. Fuck you. I, so, anyway. I've actually got, like, a, I, I don't know, like, a script writing and technical concern with that, like, scene. Like, and, like, you're right. Like, it's a, it's a very well-acted scene, like, on Picard's, like, you know, or Stewart's part. And that's probably why it, like, you know, touched something, like, in you, basically, emotionally. Like, you know, he did, he does a good job, you know, you know, sh- showcasing the grief and the guilt of that. However, like, it, it it's, to me, it's kind of emblematic of a problem with this movie, where there's a lot of telling, but not showing. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and I, it's mm. it's, like... Like what I don't think I had when I first saw this movie, I don't think I had even seen that episode. So like to me, that had no emotional impact. Like like I I was going to I was joking to you earlier because I was rewatching parts of that episode because I had seen it uh, eventually. And I was trying to remember what Robert sounded like because I wanted to do some like jokey thing where, you know, like would it have been so hard like at the beginning of the movie, like when when it cuts to, you know, the next generation cast for him to get a video message from Robert and he could, you know, he could have been like, you know, like. John Luke, I'm taking like Renee to a fireworks factory, and we're gonna light all the fireworks. When are they gonna get to the fireworks factory? You know, uh, Picard could have been like, "That sounds foolhardy, Robert," but whatever. And then, like later, he finds out like they died. Like, like, but I don't like. There's no if you don't know who those characters are. There's no like other than Stewart's acting, there's no like emotional connection to that. Basically there, there, there's, well, that's, what's funny. It's it, a lot of this is incumbent on things that you may or may not have seen. And it, it's fascinating to me because th- these episodes, these, these episodic TV shows come out of an era where they didn't want 
like sequential novella storytelling. But yet this fucking film, they want you to remember The Descent Part 1 and 2 with Data's fucking emotion chip. Like, even when I saw this when I was a kid, like, I was like, wait, what happened to the the emotion chip? Like, I I didn't even remember that episode. Like, I didn't even know that was an option. Like, I was like, what, you mean this whole time he could have stuck an emotion chip in my head uh, or in his head and he had that as an option? Like, I totally forgot about, you know, that that Lore had that emotion chip and all the stuff with the wackadoo Borgs. And, like, I I had long since forgotten that by the time I watched this movie, but the movie expects you to know it, right? And... And and the sorry, go go ahead, Justin. Go ahead. You know what's weird about that is okay. There's like three episodes that you kind of need to have watched. The one that you're mentioning with Data's emotion chip. The episodes with Lurser and Bator, although that's not like a requirement, but they did show it's, up it's previously. Helpful. Yeah, it's helpful. And then of course, you know, uh, Robert and Renee. Like that's that's the important one. Okay, so what they decided. Okay, in the Nexus, and when Kirk's all about this Antonia chick, like that was originally going to be Carol Marcus, and they decided, well, no one's going to know who that is. Let's make her Antonia. And I'm just like that. That's not constant with these three other like yeah. references to past stuff. Yeah. Like I don't get yeah. that. Like that makes no sense. Yeah, that I was. I was, that was another example. I was going to say of like you know show, telling and not showing. Like who is this? Like who is she? Like sort of like who, who is this girl that's like so you know cool that Captain Kirk would have like you know stayed with her basically that we don't even know like. Before we, we get off the, I don't know if we are getting off it, but before we get off the, the telling and not showing, I just want to go down my, and yeah, you know what's funny is, I, I don't, I mean, I, I think, I think even, and I, I'm going to bring up one or two things, but I'm going to try not to make it a whole, Plinkett said this and Plinkett said that thing, but I, I think Plinkett mentions it briefly, the, the kind of comment Mike had where, you know, it's like you, you get told something but not shown, so you have no emotional connection to the deaths, but I, I want to go down the list, and the list is this, the list is, the, the initial opening, there's those two ships. How many people were on that ship? Yeah, you see the ribbon blow up the ship, but we never cut to the interior of the ship and people screaming or explosions or anything, whether they didn't have the budget or whatever the deal was. But it's like, how many lives were on that vessel? You know, oh, there was... There was, you know, I forget what Scotty's line is, but there's 147 lives. So it's like, okay, so now you've, you've told us that 147 people died and then, and then, or, you know, whatever, he beamed off 47 of them. And it's like, there's, you know, 250 souls I didn't beam up or whatever the hell he says, right? So you've got this random ass number that you have no connection with. So that's, that's part one. Part two is what we just talked about with Picard dealing with the death of his family, right? That's another, at least, from what we know, two or more lives, right? If you haven't seen Brothers, you you have virtually no connection to, so it's just another two numbers added on to the so-and-so souls that got blown up in the, the prequel, you know, epo- uh, uh, whatever, the, the opening sequence and everything, right? And then, like, to, to, to top it all off, the, 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 the entire cake, not just the cherry, but the cake with frosting, is Sauron's plan is to blow up suns 
so that he can change the trajectory of the Nexus ribbon so that, you know, because apparently you can't just fly into it because, like, they established in the opening, you got these, you know, ribbons that blow up the ships or whatever. So he can't just fly into it. So it has to cross paths on an M-class planetoid that he can hang in or hang on and then, and then you know, uh, make his way back to the Nexus or whatever. So, and that's his whole evil uh, nefarious plot, right? That's the plot of the the antagonist of this piece. But I feel like, and and again, uh, you know, this is probably going to go heavy, but I I feel like this is a very pre nine eleven way of looking at death, where there's they they have a stellar cartography chart, and they're so fucking proud of having built this stellar cartography chart that has the the little map, and then and then it's like. Uh, Mr. Data, did you account for the, the, the trajectory change? You know, it's like the, the USS Whatchamacallit changed its course because the star blew up. Like, did, did the computer account for that? No, sir, I will do it right away. You know, and then the fucking ribbon changes, and then it's like, then Picard figures it out. Like, oh, the reason why he's blowing up these suns is so he can change the trajectory of the ribbon to get to a specific M-class planet and it's like how many people are on that planet mr data there are approximately 250 million blah 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 lives and then you know when it blows up then it's like well what like i'm supposed to be impressed by a fucking number like i i don't think i mean if you didn't have somebody of picard's uh, of, of patrick stewart's caliber like like reacting to his his brother and his nephew's death that would have been as lifeless as just, you know, Scotty going, there's 47 souls or, 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 you know, data just saying, oh, there's 250 million people. I mean, they can, they can put as much gravitas as they want in it, but it's like, you don't, I don't know that that's something that, you know, I, I think you were always told, you know, in, 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 you know, I think that's why Mike brings it up because, you know, he, he, he loves writing and it's like, you're always told, you know, show, not tell. It, anytime you were doing anything to do with acting, it was always show, not tell. Don't, don't tell somebody you're sad. Like, you know, like show them that you're sad, you know, like, it's like, I, I don't know. It's just like, like, it, I don't know. It just seems like it, it's really funny. And then, and then looking at like a bunch of quotes from like all the various, you know, actors involved and things like that. It's funny to see like, like Malcolm McDowell. I think there's a quote from him where he basically says he was super excited about being involved in it because he thought he was going to be in a Star Trek movie. He thought he was going to be the guy who would kill Captain Kirk. And then when he finally got the script, he was like, it was total shit. Like, and that's a literal quote from the guy so anyway he, he's kind of, i mean i really like him as an actor but he's kind of wasted in this yeah i mean you, you know what's funny like like i was trying to think about this and i was like you know i think this is the first time i ever encountered him as an actor like i know mm. later later in life like you know when i went to college and you know i was exposed to all kinds of experimental stuff in college bro i watched the clockwork <laughs> orange you know what i mean like it's like it's like there, there there was there was a bunch of stuff like that where it's like i got to see like a, a you know a significant amount of the body of his work right but but up until that point to me he was just the you know, he was one of two old guys who, and this is going to be a frequent complaint for me, and I, I'm sure I've complained about it in the past, that, you know, this this is the first time it was done, too. So I guess, in some sense, I have some nostalgia for it, but I hate it, which is the fate of the universe is decided in a fucking jungle gym fight. 
And and worse than that, <laughs> it's two old fucks, just like Mike was saying. Yeah. Like, like I mean, dude, and don't get me wrong. Everybody who knows me knows me, right? They know I fucking love Captain Kirk, right? Like, I have nothing against Captain Kirk. Like, I love fucking Captain Kirk. But the end of this movie is two fucking old fucks in a jungle gym fucking fight. And it's so stupid. Like, what? Because there's exciting music as fucking Shatner ducks like, and weaves nope, in between a fucking <laughs> metal plane? That's supposed say, to be exciting? Like, fuck I, you, I, movie. Like, no. No. I wrote, I wrote down in my notes. It's like, it's like one of those like hilarious videos where they show all the edits in a like taken movie where Liam Neeson climbs a fence and it's like 50 different edits of him climbing the fence. And that's kind of what I felt like they were really trying to like make this look exciting, even though it was just like, you know, a a 60 something year old guy, like ducking and weaving in a jungle (laughs) gym going like I'm over here or am I over here? Like, or uh, am I over here? Like, uh, it's like peekaboo, peekaboo, motherfucker! I have you, and he punches him through the fucking jungle gym. I'm just like, what? Did you guys know? Like the reason why I looked up that quote and found it was, did you guys know that um, Michael McDowell's nephew is is Doctor Bashir? Uh huh. Yeah. I I had no idea until I looked yep. at that. Okay. I was like that. I guess that that came about because it was like there was some quote and this and that and you know it's like I think that's where the quote came from or what whatever it was. But like I was just kind of like I had no idea about that. So I thought that was kind of cool. Didn't they say that like I, I I think I read this too where like the original like death for Kirk was like Sauron actually shooting him, but like uh-huh. it, tested, yeah. it tested like so yes. horribly yeah. that they changed it to the you know, bridge falling on him. It, it's a deleted scene. Like if you, if, mm-hmm. uh, if you have like the, well, oh, I, I'll look that yeah. up later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's have... like, there's like a deleted intro where Kirk's like orbital skydiving and then yes. Uh, uh, check off and Scotty rush out and they're like, you know, captain, what are you doing? We got to go, uh, you know, you're risking your life, and we gotta go like launch the Enterprise B. And he's like, "All right." And then the the other big one is like Kirk's original death, which is pretty pretty awful. It wasn't fun. It was not. It, it fun. wasn't fun. He didn't even like, if I recall correctly, he doesn't even have any like final words or whatever. Yeah. He just he just fucking croaks, like, and, and 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 he gets shot like literally in the back. So and like I think I think that that's what part of the quote was from Malcolm McDowell because he thought he was going to be like this, you know, like it was going to be this <laughs> awesome thing where he was the worst villain ever who like managed to get the drop on Kirk and shoot him in the back. But the way it actually sort of panned out was just kind of like, hey, what's up, Picard? Hi, ho And then all of a sudden he gets fucking shot in the back. And I'm just oh, like, that fucking like, sucks. I'll never forget, like, to, to bring up our absent fan hole, Tony, like, I'll never forget it. It always makes me laugh. Like, when he did his list of, like, worst Star Trek villains and Sauron was on that list. And he wrote, like, Sauron is so lame that he, like, he can't even shoot his phaser gangster style. It's, it auto-corrects for him. <laughs> 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 so, like, I assume yeah. in that deleted scene, he was like, yeah. like, West Side, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <sighs> So speaking of, you know, it's funny though that that original ending is not in the comic book adaptation, but what is in the comic book adaptation is the opening like orbital mm-hmm. skydiving parachuting, you know, from the Arabian Peninsula or whatever. Like that's in the comic book adaptation. Like 
I I always think it's weird. Like like there's there there's some there's some pretty damning quotes from Leonard Nimoy too, where he just kind of goes, yeah. It, it was like I I think in the initial stages they wanted it to be the entire original crew shows up in the beginning and Kirk shows up at the end, and then. I, I don't know if it was for budgetary reasons or whatever, but they dwindled it down to, well, let's do the big three. Let's have Spock, McCoy, and Kirk. It's funny because there, there's this quote from Nimoy that's basically like, there's nothing Spock about these lines. You know, kind of like the, the our common complaint of a, a Brian Michael Bendis written team book. Like, it doesn't really matter who's saying the goddamn word balloon because they're all interchangeable. Like, he doesn't really care. He doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't make the word balloon sound like something Storm would say. It's like you could just swap it with the White Queen and it wouldn't make any difference, whereas you, you think it should. And, like, Nimoy was like, I, I have to bring something to this, and you've given me nothing to bring to this. I, I think my send off was fine in Star Trek Six. I don't need, you know, I don't have anything to add. Blah 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 blah. Right? And it's this pretty damning quote that he has. But y- you know what I think is interesting about that though is is when when I kind of look at it from that perspective, I'm kind of like, you know, Chekhov shouldn't be telling people, "Hey, you, you, you're you're now drafted. You're nurses." I mean, who does that fucking sound? That's McCoy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it's like wh- it, that. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense for Chekhov. And to it, be they said, like, that. I read, like, you know, you can tell because, like, Scotty calls like Shat- or Shatner Jim instead yeah. of Captain. Yeah. So you know, they, it was like these lines were just recycled from Spock and McCoy, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I just figured that'd be worth bringing up. But yeah, I, I, I feel that way about it when I, I look at it, where I'm like, well, he. He may have had a point. It may not have added anything to Spock's characters, but it does kind of feel like like Scotty and and Chekhov are just saying, you know, McCoy and and Spock's lines for like, them or something. Like I, I, I love Scotty and Chekhov, but like I kind of, you know, it, I think the Plinkett review is just kind of like like they couldn't get Spock and McCoy, so they got the fucking scrapings like to come with them or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, the other thing I'll agree with about Plinkett and then I'll, I'll, I'll shut up about him, though, is and I totally agree with it is, you know, despite me going into great detail about how Picard losing his family affected me greatly, even until like uh, a couple of years ago, um, that dumb holographic border around the fucking space photos. <laughs> like, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I was like watching it today. I'm like, what the fuck? fuck is with that what what does that do what is that for because it's because they're future photos it's, it's like a space <laughs> photo album fucking bishop comes out with the you know these photos are from my future <laughs> you know it's like what <laughs> what the fuck for the future You, you know what I was going to ask you, Justin, and, and I didn't do any research about this just so I could ask this to you and be all, like, you know, ignorant about it and, and uh, arrogant and just blatantly I, ask I like it. I like it when you're ignorant. Yeah, 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 I know. It happens a lot, right? <laughs> Did, what, what, what is the deal with El-Oreans? Like, because like, we, we're already talking about how Sauron's a lame villain, right? Like, like. Doesn't, I mean, because wasn't the, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, I, I feel like the whole deal with Guinan was supposed to be, she she was hundreds of years old, which explains why Sauron was in the opening and is still, you know, relatively the same looking in 87 years later, right? So, so we know he's long lived, right? But 
I always felt like they, they tried to establish something where, like, you know, Guinan was, run, you know, it was like Whoopi Goldberg was running around giving Q the stink eye and making little Spider-Man hands at him and shit. Like, where, like, it was like she was going to do some kind of mystic, you know, hooju on him or so, something, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I always thought the El Orians, at least, you know, from what I'd seen in, in the actual media, you know, that, that, that there was some illusion that they had a greater understanding of the universe than human beings, that they could potentially pull off some some uh, pretty epic, you know, traveler, profity, you know, something outside the realm of, of, of human capability. And, and, and I guess my thing is, what, Sauron's just an old dude, and he just boxes Kirk, and like doesn't he doesn't do the little Spider Man Mystic Hoodoo. He doesn't he doesn't do any of that. Like, so I'm I'm just kind of like, did they ever establish in any other like books or media or anything? Like, do Elorians do anything, or is that just is that just Guinan's purview or something? I think that's just Guinan. I don't think I've ever seen that applied to any other Elorians like in comics or books or anything like okay i want to say i want to say there was one elorian that was in ds9 but i don't think he did any like hand spider-man signs or yeah yeah i was just wondering about that because i i thought that could have been a way to maybe Mm -hmm. pump him up or or something you know and another thing like i remember reading about that was wasn't the only reason he was made like you know one of guinan's like species because malcolm mcdowell just said oh i don't want to spend any time in like the makeup chair or whatever i want to be like a human like alien or whatever Mm. so they were like okay well we'll do this then like that that's something i read like i don't know if that's Mm. true or not but sounds fairly sound i wouldn't want to after if if he thought the script was shit after he read it, I I wouldn't want to spend <laughs> a bunch of hours in the makeup chair too to just say time you're, is you're, the fire <laughs> which we burn. You know, like you're okay. not gluing those rice krispies to my head. Like no. Let, let me ask you something, Derek. Did you have any of the toys that were like uh, released for this film? Because there did. were a lot. I did. <laughs> um, I I, I want to say I had them some of them retroactively though like like mm. I don't I don't know that I was like as in the shit when the toys were coming out officially because my my recollection of the playmates thing was by the time Deep Space Nine and Voyager were in full swing I could I remember going to stores and and getting all the playmates like Voyager stuff boxed. Like and keeping, I kept all that stuff in the box, and and for a while I would just hang them all on my walls and stuff. But there was also like a local store or something where they had you know the the older waves and things like that. And if I recall, I I got the the Sauron, the Kirk, and there was um what else was in that wave. Like I, I feel like I had three of them, the ones that had the Star Trek Generations packaging. But but I know I know I got like the Sauron, the Kirk, and maybe the Picard or something. I don't know something something like that. And what I specifically remember was there there was uh, the 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 young woman who introduced me to a Clockwork Orange who loved Malcolm McDowell. I remember I eventually just gave that Sauron figure to her because she loved Malcolm McDowell so much. So that was. That was uh, that was what happened to the Sauron figure, and then I think eventually, like that, those those Playmate Star Trek figures were part of the Great Purge. But I, I remember I had a few of them. Like I don't know, I don't know if Guinan was one of them or not. But there, 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 I had at least two or three of them. I I don't know how many were in that wave where they were specifically branded, 
you know, Star Trek Generations or whatever, but I, I, I had a, you know, at least two or three of those in the, in the package. And I, I, you know, I, I think I had a complete set of all the Deep Space Nine and Voyager characters. And then I had sort of a smattering of, you know, cause I like Riker. I had like Thomas Riker and I had, you know, Will Riker, maybe Will Riker was a Generations one if they made one of him. Cause I did go out of my way to get like all the, all the Rikers, all the Rikers. So what about you? Did you like, were, since you were in the, in the shiznit, as you were saying, like, like, were there plenty of models or, or ships or, or phasers or things like that were part of that line that you were getting or anything else? I had most of the action figures as far as the ships and role play stuff. Like I didn't get any of that. Like, I think I, I think I mentioned this on the, you know, the, the infamous episode where I mentioned, you know, Fort Max was like my Holy grail from when I was a kid. Like, the one thing from this film I really wanted was the uh, Playmates Enterprise B. Like, I thought that thing was really cool. Oh. I guess, like, as an apology to myself, I did have – I did pick up the, like, Eagle Moss Enterprise B, and um, that's pretty nice. But, yeah, like, I just had action figures. Like, I remember buying the the official Star Trek Generations magazine, which had some kind of, like, fancy, you know, lenticular cover or something, and it was, like, $10, which shocked me when I went to the register because I was like, oh, this magazine's probably, like, five or six bucks. And I was like, $10? Like, you know how many comics I could get for 10 bucks? But I went ahead and got it anyway because I was so into Star Trek. And what I remember from that was, like, there were, like, pictures from deleted scenes in that because I remember specifically, like, there was a picture of Sauron's body just laying on the ground. And I was like, well, that wasn't in the movie. And then I think there was, like, th- this one might be on the DVD. There was, like, a scene where, like, you know, the shuttle comes to pick up Picard. Like, it lands, and it's, like, Geordi and Worf, yeah, and they're all, like, yeah, that is beat the, up and stuff. That is part of that alternate ending. And, like, the, mm-hmm. the reason why Sauron's on the ground is because Picard actually, like, shoots him back after he... He shoots right. Kirk, you know, it's like, I was trying to, I was like, what's the difference? And it's like, oh, in the, you know, in the original, in the theatrical version of the movie, like, you know, Picard locks the, the launch mm-hmm. for the missiles and, and then, and then Sauron runs up and he's like, oh no. And, and the whole missile blows up with him on it. But then in the, in the, the other version of it, since he shoots Kirk on the bridge, like, Picard runs up to him on the bridge, picks up the the pistol that's dropped because he's running towards the the lockdown missile or whatever. And then when he stops it, you know, I think he yells at him, you know, Picard. And then and then I'm like, well, all he's doing is screaming at him. But Picard's just like, you know, screw you, and shoots him right there, and he falls over. And then he, you know, there's a nice little shot of uh, him and Kirk in the sunset or whatever. That, but of course they can't use it because you know they're on the bridge that you know fell to his doom or whatever. So that's, that's when all those reshoots took place after the, the test screening or whatever. You, you mentioned it earlier, but I did have the DC comics adaptation. And I don't remember if I bought that before or after the movie, but I know I had it and I read it several times and, um, there was, some, Oh, uh, but, well, this is not something I had, but like, I remember specifically like when this trailer premiered, like it premiered on entertainment tonight and, like, I just remember I was, like, flipping through the channels, and they were like, you know, tomorrow on Entertainment Tonight, the premiere of the trailer of Star Trek Generations. And I was like, holy shit. And I had to, like, as soon as I got off the bus the next day, like, I ran into the house, put, a, like, a tape in the VCR and got ready and, like, sat there and, like, 
you know, was waiting for it to come up. And then I recorded the trailer and like replayed it like, you know, a half dozen times analyzing it and stuff. And I was just like, I was like, okay, I think that scene's reused from this episode. I'm like, that looks new. That looks new. I'm like, that's reused from like something else. And I was, you know, I was having a, a, a ball like doing that kind of thing. I, I feel like this is part of the whole get off my lawn thing, you know, for all the <laughs> newfangled kids. Cause I'm like, you, you, yeah. you have it so easy kids. You just go to the internet and replay it 40 million times and take your little screen grabs and analyze it and make your own little videos. Like, Back in Justin's in my day, we had to <laughs> queue up a VCR and copy yeah. that Entertainment yeah, I think, Tonight trailer. I think I did that with like the trailer for The Phantom Menace, like when they mm. finally played it on TV and I recorded it. And then, yeah, like the resolution was like so low. It's like I can't even tell who's in those like giant group <laughs> scenes or whatever. But so you were you were talking about the Enterprise B. I, I do have to do my usual shout out for. Uh, you know, Captain Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, because I was just like, I, I remember that was one of my common complaints, was just like, wait, so so the guy who follows up Kirk on the next Enterprise is Cameron from fucking Ferris Bueller? Like, no wonder everything went to shit. Like, you see my avatar, like, I, that look that's the look he's giving, like, when they look out into, like, space after Kirk's been, like, mm-hmm. apparently sucked out, and, like, it's like, it is, the look on his face is like, oh, I am so fired. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I lost James T. Kirk on my first mission, like. They, um, they did a lot of interesting things with him on, like, the novels and books, like, they, they pretty much establish, this was, like, his first command, which is pretty obvious, but, like. Basically, he got the Enterprise B because his dad is some big wig admiral, and you know after this mission, like he felt really horribly about you know being being in command while Kirk died and stuff. But like he ended up being like a this pretty like badass captain, and then he retired, and then like Domora Sulu became captain of the Enterprise B, which I always thought was pretty interesting. Okay, well that's good. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, because I knew you would know, Justin, like, what, what happened? Like, did they, I'm sure in somewhere in all the supplementary material, like, they addressed him again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Captain, Captain, worst captain ever, basically. <laughs> yeah, like, I think that's, I that, like, I was talking about this movie with a friend from work, like, a week or two ago when we decided to do this show. And he was saying, oh, yeah, Captain, worst captain ever, I think he called him. Like, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I- I th- I could be wrong, but I think that one chick on the bridge is like, um, what's her name from Aliens, right? In Terminator Two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's John Connor's mom. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the same actress. And then like the, the Tim, one Tim Russ Titanic. is on that bridge too. Yeah, yep. yeah. Tuvok before he was Tuvok. Yeah. Yeah. The um, I I, I know you guys were talking about, and of course I I had the same thought too. Was you know why why isn't he, uh, Kirk in the Nexus like spending time with Carol Marcus like why why isn't that his Nexus. I, I I will give a, a brief shout out to uh, to Chris Franklin because I, I know one of the things he's always on about is he's like why wasn't it Edith Keeler, mm. um, you know like that was that was yeah. always his deal like and you know what's funny about that is the the way that is shot it, again it, more of the uh, uh, telling not showing bullshit but also I I feel like it's almost like uh, Picard and Kirk are doing the play of the odd couple. You know, it's like because they're like they're like on. It's like they're on uh, a stage, and it's like 
I'm gonna go, he's like, I'm gonna go up there and tell Antonia that I, you know, we're gonna get married. And he just walks up the stairs, and it reminds me of when I did, uh, you know, a Neil Simon play called Rumors, and it was always about, you know, this guy who, you know, had supposedly, like, shot himself in the head, and then and everybody's, like, freaking out, but they're always running upstairs to see how Charlie's doing, basically. And so, like, that's what that reminded me of. It's like, oh, I'm gonna go run up the stairs. You know, but it's like, nobody's the fucking stairs, you know, like, like nobody's there. It's just all part of the, the theatricality of it and everything. And so like uh, on that realm, it's like, to, to me, like what drives me crazy about that is, you, you know, how you said, who is Antonia to Kirk and everything. And on top of that, I'm like, what does it fucking matter? Like if you couldn't get, you know, if, if you couldn't get BB beach, if you couldn't get Joan Collins, who fucking cares? Just do it like that where you're like, Edith, I'm coming upstairs right away, you know, and it's like, that's, that's it. That's all you, you know, like, you yeah. know, for uh, like, it could just be like, he opens the door and there's a big, you know, white space lighter for all you fucking care. Like, don't have to be there. And I guess while we're on the topic, like I, I was thinking about all this philosophical nonsense with the Nexus. Like one thing that was occurring to me is again, going back to why Sauron's a stupid fucking villain is like, <laughs> Okay, check this out. Like, what is the Nexus? The Nexus is basically like the Matrix or a fucking Black Mercy, right? Mm, like, yeah. it, it gives you, like, your ideal, uh, you know, world, but it's it's essentially fake, right? And I'm like, dude, how dumb do you, like, can you imagine, like, if there was some villain in the DC Universe that was, like, blown up planets just so he could get to a Black Mercy to be, like, zonked out on it for the rest of his life? <laughs> like, wouldn't you think, what a dumb fuck? Like, like, what a dumb fuck. Like, so that was that was part of what I was thinking. The other thing I was thinking of, and, and, and this doesn't have to do with so much the romance or anything of it, but, like, even if you couldn't get B.B. Beach, like, what about um, Merrick? Like, like, wouldn't that be something yeah. in the Nexus? Like, that he could, like, spend some more time with his, his son? Like, with David for a little while? Like, so, something, I don't know. Like, th- there were just things I was thinking of where, where, you know, like, you know, because of the, you know, black mercy comparison you know like like what is your that's the philosophical stuff that i was thinking about like like does your nexus like change depending on how long you've been alive like does it know like like i i feel like my nexus now like like right now like like on this podcast as i'm speaking I could probably have a certain nexus that would be my ideal perfection, blah, 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 right? And I don't need to get into what that is or or who's in it or whatever. I kind of know, right? Like, but, you know, in my heart of hearts, I kind of know what what that would be, right? But if you went back two years, my nexus would be totally different. If I went back, you know, 10 years, the stuff I need in my nexus today, I wouldn't need 10 years ago. I'm like, does the Nexus know? Does the Nexus not know? Does it just change, like, since it's all fake? Like, does it does it change based on you and, and your sort of flighty-ass needs? Like, well, like it, I don't know. It must change because, you know, as you said, Kirk goes upstairs, it changes. He's in the barn, and he's like, this is better. Like, this is the day I met her. So, like, mm, it must, yeah, yeah. must have had a stray thought in the next. This was like, oh, that's better for you? Well, like, let's go there. Let's go there. And and, 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 and in reality, what it really was, was, was William Shatner's like, I like riding horses. And then they <laughs> yeah. were like, oh, well, let's just do a flash to a scene where you get to ride a horse, you know, like, but yeah, that, that like in, in context of the story, it, it kind of changes as you go along. If, if, watch, if you, 
watching it this time, I kind of figured that like the reason Picard managed to convince Kirk like so easily is because Kirk wasn't actually like like satisfied like long term satisfied in the nexus because it kept changing for him and like maybe that's because he was still like unfulfilled or you know it he couldn't find his perfect thing like in there because like Guinan was kind of like you know oh you like once you're in there you never want to leave like it's like being inside joy it's being like you know you never you know but Kirk didn't seem very like he, he seemed like distracted, like almost. I was like, oh, like I like, you know, chopping wood. And now I like making breakfast for Antonia. And like now I like riding horses. Like, oh, man, like this is great. But like, I'm not like, you know, I, I'd say for Guinan and Sauron, it was different because like they just had their planet assimilated by the Borg. So they were, you know, they, they like they lost their planet. They lost their friends and family. So they were probably more susceptible to that kind of fantasy. Well, maybe, maybe too. It's it's the the point in time which Picard interjects into to Kirk's start. Like you know how they always say, like I mean, you know, if you're if you're watching like something where it's like somebody's you know corrupted by a black mercy or something, it's like oh well, you know, as long as we get it off him in the first you know hour, then you know he'll he'll be able to recover. But like once it gets past the point of no return, like whatever imaginary bullshit you know time that is, you know, it's like once it's been twenty four hours. Then all of a sudden he's totally sucked in and nothing you do will break him free. So it's like maybe he, I mean, I, I'm trying to apologize for, you know, shit script or whatever, but like, <laughs> like the, the, to me, I'm kind of like thinking of it as like, oh, well, maybe it's, it's that, that Picard inserted himself like at the very beginning, you know, because time is all inconsequential in the Nexus. It's like he got to him before the Nexus really got its hooks in him. Like, like imagine if Picard tried to come in after he went up the hill to quote unquote Antonia or whatever, or maybe while he was in the middle of banging Antonia, he was like, wait a minute, what about Edith Keeler and and Carol Marcus? And then it becomes like a, you know, a four way or whatever. And then by that point, Picard, like there's no way Picard can take him out of that, you know, like, like there's no way, but it's like, since he got there, like at that right junction, like then he, he actually had an influence on, what was going on with Kirk. And then, you know, they, they sort of set up too. like, like he realizes how fake it is pretty fast. Like, like, and you know, because of the horse and jumping over it and all that stuff. And he's like, Oh, there's no, there's no risk to this. It's not real. And, and I guess knowing that something is completely fake. I mean, I mean, I guess there's, there's two different types of people, right? Like, like, you know, some, some people would be completely satisfied, you know, finding their joy in something that was completely illusionary but i think other people that that are probably made you know i guess it's the difference between you know it's like it's like the kingpins and the daredevils and the doctor dooms of the world that can tell the purple man to go fuck himself you know it's like that's supposed to be the type of personality type that picard and and kirk are where they they realize early on wait a minute like something about this is just not right I always thought it was weird in Picard's Victorian Christmas fantasy special. Like his <laughs> wife looks his wife looks a lot like Beverly and I was always like it would have been a lot more interesting if it was Beverly. Uh, like yeah. I don't know. I mean that's that's something they always like hinted at. And yeah, they skirt it around and then and yeah. then and then they do other movies where he gets other romantic interests and they're like what the fuck Picard? I was like well if you like if this is your fantasy like 
dude, go for it. Like, it's not like she's going to find out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, oh. Beverly, I had a Christmas Victorian fantasy about you. Sorry. <laughs> It was it was you and me and a bunch of little kids. Like, it's like it was fun. Uh, back back to the Kirk, like you know, riding horses and stuff. Like, I, I think it's funny. Like, it struck me like this time. Like, you know, obviously William Shatner is like a you know is a, a very skilled. Uh, what is it? Equestrian? Like, what what's what's the technical term? I uh, think I think that's right. Yeah, but like I, I think. The making a horse walk sideways is actually pretty like a hard thing to teach. Them. Yeah. So yeah. of course they had to like have him do that. And like, I, I think it was funny, like when he was like trotting around like Picard, like talking to him and stuff. So I will say this, you know what I like about Lurser and Bator? Nothing. Massive, massive amount of cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> that always bugged me though. Like not that they're in it, but, but the fact that like this old bird of prey, took down the enterprise d like I, that always really bugged me i hate all that reused fucking i mean that looks super yeah. fucking like that looks like uh uh what is it like catsman cereal cheap like where you're just like man that's so cheap i read like, all, all the I new read... visual effects like they look really nice but like you can tell when it's like reused from like star trek 6 or like the series or whatever like it just it doesn't match it at all they said they said the screenwriters it was actually like a mandate from like rick berman that like the enemies had to be the duras sisters and they had to like reuse that exploding like bird of prey footage Hmm. it's weird I, i thought it was weird that they they had a lot of other like in the initial maybe treatments or whatever it was like apparently the the romulans attacking the the first base was going to be like a big action piece set and that was scrapped probably for budget reasons and then supposedly there was going to be you know along with the jungle gym fucking fight like supposedly lursa and bator were going to beam down to that same planet but it was going to be in some forest part of it or some shit and i i'm guessing like the other crew was gonna fight them or something i was like i didn't know anything about that like i don't know that that would have made the film any fucking better i think it would just make it you know more more nonsense to deal with at the end but i think like i think the plinket review like says like points this out and like analyzes this too but like the prisoner exchange makes like no friggin' sense yeah like, it, that that's it's like, like uh, Picard's like, like I will, up. I will trade myself for Jordy, but then you have to be me somewhere else. Like, wait, 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 then they end up with like nothing basically. And I mean, they want Jordy to like be on the enterprise to spy for them, but why don't they just say, no, fuck it. Like you're, you're being thrown in the brig Picard. Like, yeah, that makes about as much sense as like Qui-Gon's uh, bargaining gamble or whatever. And, uh, Phantom Menace. No, like, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, when, uh, you know, the Enterprise was being fired on, was, like, you know, did Deanna have to go, like, I'll try spinning, that's a good trick. <laughs> I, I sense they're mad at us, they're, they're firing at us. Know what I wanted to say, and I it, it occurred to me this time, the scene where, like, Data's, like, emotions chip, like, overloads, and he, like, laughs, and he has that really painful yes. laugh, like, I kind of mm. feel like that's where Greg Wiseman said, "Yay, we should cast Brent Spiner as the Joker, like uh, in Young Justice." Uh, <laughs> and that did not turn out well, but like, that, yeah. <laughs> that that scene is super freaky. Like that is like nightmare fuel, man. Like that always bothered me. Like the first time I saw it in a theater, like I was afraid his head wasn't going to explode. Like it's just so. Did they did they <laughs> did they do something like special effects wise? Like that. like it feels uh, like they did because it yeah. looks so. 
painful. Like there's like a vein in his forehead that's throbbing. I'm just like, he's he's gonna blow. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know those. I, I remember at the time those were the most well received scenes in a theatrical audience. Like people loved all that stuff. And and even even today when I was watching it, I still got like Facebook comments. You know, you know, lovely little light forms, you know, like all this kind of shit. And it's like, I, I think maybe that still holds up a little bit, but it's like some of that other stuff, you know, the, hey, Jordy, I am Mr. Tricorder. Like, like yeah. all that shit is like, it's fucking yellow tights, you're a dick, X-Men level painful. Like, like it's like, it's like it was supposed to be a big wah-ha-ha moment, but I, I swear, it's like, you laugh that one time in the theater, and then every time you rewatch it, it gets worse and worse and worse. Like I, I don't know. Like that's just. I mean, maybe I'm an old fuddy duddy. Or Data I, just I have no becomes soul, like but... obnoxious. Like at yeah, a certain point, yeah. yeah. I mean, it gave it gave Brent Spiner a ton of shit to do, but it, it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't stand the test of time for me. You know, like it. It just. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, I know, like not not many actors that I've seen to talk about this movie, like really particularly, I guess, enjoyed their time on it or enjoyed what they got to do. Because I, I think there was some like funny ass interview with like Michael Dorn where he was like, "Oh yes, generations." Like, like I had one like significant scene, and it, I don't think it was like a stupid ass scene where I fell in the water or something. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I guess the the only nostalgia I have for that was I I later lived fairly close. I used to live in Playa del Rey, so I was pretty close to Marina del Rey where that was shot. But other than that, hmm. like I don't I don't have any other you know nostalgic memories you know about that but yeah that's i mean even that sequence is kind of like what the it was like great we can we can film outdoors but it's on the holodeck like like even that was kind of weird because it seemed like the holodeck was this little square room and they kind of put together these goofy little imaginary sets but then then they they it seemed like so much more outlandish it's like here's an entire ocean you know it's like wow that's kind of i don't know but yeah it, if you've ever listened to the commentary for this, like even the writers kind of admit they dropped the ball on this. But I mean, I guess to like in their defense, they kind of admit, you know, they're like, hey, we dropped the ball. We admit it. But like they also say that they were also finishing up like all good things, the series finale. And, you know, one of them, I think, was working on like the you know, premiere of Voyager. So like they yeah. have like a lot of balls in the air. But. Well, but, but that's, that's part of that, that whole atmosphere we were talking about before yeah, where it it's, it's the, the Zenith of, of Star mm-hmm. Trek's, the peak of Star Trek's popularity. There were, there were three fucking TV shows on the air. There was this major feature film and, 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 you know, the, the thing of it is, you know, what's funny is they, they couldn't, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a gambling thing. They couldn't, they, they were on a streak and, and they couldn't fucking let it go. They couldn't walk away from the table and be like, Hey, let's come back later to do the big double down. Like they, they had to keep doing it. They had to keep writing it right then and there. And, and maybe that was a good move. I mean, as far as like box office wise or something like that, but I, I guess, you know, like in terms of the longevity or, or, or the, the, the effectiveness of of this film like like that i guess you could call into question because i don't I, you know it, it's kind of like what you guys are saying they're they're burning both ends pretty pretty brightly and and it you know it just didn't 
that this movie suffered for that. Like you, you, you start to wonder like, Oh, if they had spent like another year getting this ready and held off on it, like would the popularity have faded? Like, and nobody would have cared about it, but then would the script have been better? Like, I don't, you know, I don't know, like who's to say, but you know, it, it just seems like, like a lot of things like were rushed too. It's like, it's like they were filming the end of the next generation and they were filming this and, like you're saying, they're working on all kinds of other scripts for Voyager, and yeah. Let me ask you guys, and Justin kind of already like elaborated on this, but since you guys both, you saw it in theaters, right, Justin? Like, yeah, yeah you said yeah. yeah, and obviously you did, uh, Derek. Yeah, so, yeah. like, what going into this, what were your like expectations, like kind of like, and just like I said, you already kind of elaborated on this, but like. What did you guys think like Kirk was going to die? Like what, what was your initial gut reaction to that? I, I mean, I, I think I shared Justin's gut reaction and like, I thought it was a stupid death. I, 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 I was vastly disappointed. Like, you know, you know what I was going to ask you guys about? And I haven't, you know, it's like, it's shocking. There's something I can't fucking find on YouTube. I think it was Mad TV, or maybe it was Living Color or something. I can't remember exactly, but there and and I, I this is kind of an answer to your question too, so it kind of fits. But there was this sketch, and I it, this is my recollection of it. So it could be like a thing where like I tell you it's in black and white, and you go looking for it, and you can't find it, and you say you fucking asshole, it was really this. <laughs> like, but this is my recollection of it. So forgive me if I'm way off. But my recollection of it is it was it, I. I want to say it was Mad TV, but maybe it wasn't. But I'm like I'm like pulling at straws because I can't find it anywhere on YouTube. But it was either Mad TV, maybe it was Living Color, or some some sketch show like that. And the the gag was, I think it was like this hardcore gangster cholo dude who was going in to watch Star Trek Generations. And the gag was he was all like, you know, I'm tough, I'm tough, and fuck this and whatever, right? And by the end of it. You know, if you've seen Generations, you know Kirk dies. And so he's watching it, and all of a sudden, this hardcore dude all of a sudden starts tearing up. It's like, oh my god, they fucking killed Captain Kirk! Like, oh my god! And he's, like, crying and shit. And I wasn't crying, obviously. I was well beyond that by that point. That was, like, Mr. Spock in the Wrath of Khan, right? That was me then, like, as a little kid. So I was not a little kid. I actually, like, drove my own fucking car to see this movie, right? So I was, like, I wasn't, like, teary-eyed or anything. But I, I was definitely... I, I I was definitely of that indignant response where I was like, wow, like this not only it's it, it's like one of those things where I think going into it, you you have a sense of anticipation and excitement of the team up. Right. Like, I mean, I've always been a proponent of the team up. Like, I've always been like, oh, my God, how are they going to make these two characters meet? Like, like what's going to happen? Like, like this is going to be so cool. Like, I mean, there, there was definitely a, a high level of anticipation to it. But then that makes the the sort of disappointment all that more disappointing. I mean, you know, I, I feel like I'm stealing and pilfering from from uh, people that have said it better. But like, you know, the, 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 there's a lot of kind of uh, backseat, you know, uh, script writing or whatever. But you know, I'll, 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 you know, something that I think Rob Kelly had frequently said when he talked about this movie was, he's like, why does Kirk die on a planet like in the middle of nowhere? On you know, he's doing you know physical combat like like wouldn't Kirk die as in the captain's chair on the enterprise? Like what if, what if, you know, he had always said, what if he was the one 
in the captain's chair when the Enterprise D went down and it went out like in a blaze of glory. Like, what if that was how he stopped the missile from hitting the sun or, you know, wh- whatever it is, however you, you facilitate that. But it's like, it's like, it you know, certain things seem more fitting than other things. And it is just like, that was something he said. And it's like, you know, when you hear something like that, you're kind of like, yeah, that's, that's a lot better than doing a, a Jesus somersault off a fucking mountain or whatever he was doing there. You know, he's, he's half crucified <laughs> before he even fucking hits the ground or something. And I was just kind of like, I don't know what, you know, like, like there, I don't know. There, like that end result it's like it's like the manhole cover with superman for me but only imagine the manhole cover kills superman like the electrified manhole cover is (laughs) doomsday and it fucking kills superman that's how i that's how i felt about the end of this movie like i was just like like batman (laughs) comes up to superman and superman's all like it was fun yeah exactly and i was was tingly uh, and i'm just like what the fuck just happened you know and then superman's like oh my and fucking dies, and you're just like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's exact. That was that was my response. Super Superman's like, great Scott. <laughs> He's like, uh, Nightwing, Robin, get me on the shuttle, and let's get the hell out of here. <sighs> I I remember hearing that Kirk was gonna die, but I didn't put a lot of stock into that. And then. So, like, the part in the movie where, you know, the whole planet blows up and that's where everyone was except Picard, I was like, all right, well, none of this is going to stick. So I figured, like, I figured Kirk would die, but they wouldn't do it the same way they did, like, the planet blowing up with everyone on it. So, like, that's what I was waiting for. And then, you know, you see, like, Picard, like, puts Kirk's little pin on the rocks and you see that's his grave. I was like, um... This isn't gonna be undone, is it? And then that that was like that was the zenith of my disappointment. Which, like which, I was what? already <laughs> I was already disappointed in the movie in various aspects and but that was like like I said, that was when I was like this was the first movie I was ever hyped for and it like disappointed me severely. But it was undone because Kirk gets resurrected yeah, and the he return. and he beats the shit out of the fucking board. Yeah. That was that was a great book. Like my so you were asking me about like ancillary stuff. Like so Shatner, like well, I mean the book is credited to Shatner, but who knows how much he actually wrote. He probably just like farted out some idea of like he's like, have Kirk like beat up the Borg or something and they had to like write around it. So like Star Trek The Return is a book that's like takes place a few months after this or whatever, and like the the Borg and the Romulans make some kind of weird alliance, and they steal Kirk's body. They bring him back from the dead. They program him to assassinate Picard, and then he almost does, and then they, like, deactivate him. And then they end up, like, they team up with Spock, and then they all go, like, to the Borg home planet, and they shut down some kind of, like, central node or something. And it, it like, it kind of ends on a cliffhanger. But I always thought, like, that should have been... Like a movie, you know, Kirk I, coming back from the dead. And... I think it's like a trilogy of books. It is, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so. Is is like? Well, I mean, I guess the canon is kind of reset now. But like, is Kirk like was Kirk still up and active like before they like reset the like canon or whatever? 
Kinda like those books are usually called the Shatnerverse. They're like a splinter of. It's weird. It's like it's like his fan fiction. Yes, basically. kinda. It, it's like the books are not canon, but this is like non-canon within non-canon. It's like a splinter. They call it the Shatnerverse because like these are all books. It's like you know by William Shatner, and they're they're like a whole bunch of books. But like the first three, like Derek said, they're like one big story kinda, and like I mean they go through like they go back to the mirror universe and then like they do all kinds of crazy stuff but like yeah like in that splinter verse like like kirk did he get married i know he got with some chick she was like half romulan half klingon and they had a kid and then the kid like went through some kind of weird Naomi wildman growth spurt or something and became important and then like that woman died and like they were trying to like explain why Kirk wasn't in the Dominion War fighting, and he was like, "That's a, that's y'all's war. I I don't want to be in that." And I was like, "That's stupid. <laughs> like you should be there fighting too, man." And I mean, yeah, like th- they did all kinds of wacky things in that little like offshoot. Would you guys be kinder, like, if this movie ended with like Picard like rescuing Kirk from the planet, and then like seeing him off, and like you know Kirk, you know, saying, "Yo, hey, you know Spock and." Scotty and McCoy are all still out there. Like you, you can go have like, you know, more new adventures and stuff. And then, you know, Kirk could have said like, like, thank you. Like old friend, like goodbye. And then, you know, he'd just be out there somewhere. I I I would have been fine with that. Yeah. I don't know that I ever considered it. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Like I never agreed with this, but like one of the, I think one of the writers for this movie, they were like, Oh, Kirk had to die because he's like from an old, old time you know old-fashioned time or whatever like he's ancient relic and i'm like dude you had like spock and scotty and dr mccoy on your show you didn't have a problem with it then like those guys didn't die like why did you have a problem with it for the movie like that that kind of inconsistent stuff like like really irritates me it's like oh we can refer to these tng episodes but we can't refer to carol marcus because that confused people i'm just like what <laughs> i don't understand <laughs> William Shatner can change the name of his dog on set. My brother and my nephew blew up in a fireworks factory explosion. And then, yeah, someone would be like, oh, wait, who are those guys? Like, I don't know those guys. Like, why do I care? Now, the, the, only, the only other thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, I remember um, uh, there's a clip of uh, Shatner was on Conan around the time this movie came out. And he was like promoting this movie. And like, uh, like Conan was like asking him, like, you know, like, oh, so like you come back like in this movie and like, you know, you're you're dead or you were dead and you come back or something. And, and Shatner is kind of like, like, oh, yeah. So, you know, I talked to the writers and I had an idea and he's like, and he's a like, captain. And then like Shatner has like a brain fart and he's a like, captain, captain. And like he, he pauses for a bit too long and like Conan goes like Kirk. And then, like, everyone starts laughing and, like, you know, like, Conan gets up and, like, puts his arms up and stuff. Like, 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 everyone give me a minute, like, to enjoy this and, like, walks around and Shatner's laughing and stuff. Like, I always thought that was funny. Like, uh, I don't think I ever saw that. I'll have to see if that's somewhere around. That that's that's everyone's mission. Find find my mad TV clip and, and, and go watch the, the Conan clip. But, yeah, I mean. Like aside from like aside from the built-in nostalgia I have for this movie being like the first Star Trek movie I ever saw, like yeah, it's not it's it's not one of the better ones. Yeah, like I, I would say it's 
it's aside from the novelty of like you know them crossing over and any kind of nostalgia I have for it. It's it's definitely not. Time has not been kind to it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this this episode is my baby, but I I don't like this baby. Um, we've mentioned the Plinkett review of this. Like, I remember someone showing me like the Plinkett review of episode one, and I tried to watch it, and I was like, "This is dumb." This guy's voice gets on my nerves, and I shut it off. And then I remember like. I think maybe one of you guys posted like his generations review and I started watching it and I was like, Oh, this is that same guy. I'm going to, I, I almost turned it off and then he started like making a whole lot of sense to me. And I was just like, oh, what? <laughs> and like, yeah. that's what hooked me on red letter media was the generations review. Oh my God. Those. Yeah. I mean, even, even on some of those next generation films I used to stand up for, I would, I would look at some of the stuff and be like, no, he's he's pretty much on point with everything he's talking about. So, yeah, all, all I can say, uh, like in closing, as far as generations goes, is and, and this is the nicest backhanded thing I can say is, I think they just bit off a whole lot more than they could chew. You know, like I, I think that's that's all it is. Like they, there was there was this big hype machine. There was all this stuff going on. They they had a lot of pressure on them to make TV shows and movies and all that other stuff. And and you know they they were trying to make it a big event. I mean, it seemed like the original thought was you know to have a big poster with the two Enterprise ships locked in battle or something like that with the two crews like about to rip each other's throats out. But then they could never figure out a way to make that work. You know, so then they they came up with the most epicest team up ever, and it just dwindled down to uh, William Shatner riding horses with uh, Patrick Stewart. It's done. It ha- it happened. It's a thing. <laughs> so that's all there is to it. I think I would like make this movie walk the plank, go go to like hang out with Lursor and Bator for like an hour or something, and then make it walk the plank. <laughs> I think I just push all the uh, executives at. Uh, paramount off the uh the washington or whatever justin i hate to tell you but their cleavage was reused footage (laughs) (laughs) oh wait man this shit was real Uh, well make rick berman walk the plank all right well while (laughs) (laughs) while while justin's out there initiating a klingon mating ritual uh the if you guys have any other comments, questions, and or concerns, if you're like, what the hell, we thought this was going to be a celebration of Starship Generations, and you were a bunch of fan holes. Well, that's the show's name. But you can send us your comments, questions, and angry, angry comments to fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, retweets, etc. We can be found on uh, all kinds of streaming services. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. We're on Spotify. If you want to check out the backlog of the Fanholes Proper Podcast episodes, because this is the original proper Fanhole show, you can find those on fanholespodcast.blogspot. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC. It was fun. Oh, my. Signing off. Hey, it's Mike. And being on this podcast was the least I could do for the captain of fan holes. And this is Justin scanning for life forms.
Derek, do you remember like they changed the mating ritual thing in the comic? I think they said like, you know, in the movie, she's like, I hope you are initiating a mating ritual. Yeah. Like in the comic, she's like, I think she was like, I hope you were making a joke. And I was like, could they not say mating ritual in the, the comic? You, you like, know what was weird was because in the in the movie, it was like it was uh, what's his face from Buffy and all those other guys dressed up as Klingons. Uh, oh, Chris Thompson. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Brian Thompson, Brian Thompson, Brian, right? Yeah, right? right, and and they they were all about to beat the fuck out of Sauron or whatever. Yeah. But I think in the comic adaptation, it was just him and like the the two. Uh, Lursa and Bador, they were about to have a three-way or something. You know, like, it was just the three of them, you know? And I was just like, what? And then and I was like, that's it? Like, okay. One other thing I wanted to, I forgot to mention was, like, I, I think I laughed because I read that the reason Riker's sleeves are always rolled up in this movie is because oh, he's reusing, a, like, a, Cisco's, Avery, like, Avery Brooks's costume, yeah. Yeah, like, costume. He's like, yeah. glad, Riker, glad, <laughs> zip-a-dip-a-bop, Riker, I think LeVar Burton has, like, uh, calm meanings. You know, yeah, that's why yeah, it's way yeah, too that, long for him. Yeah, that's why they... Yeah. What was the deal with that? Like, they wanted to make, like, all new costumes for everyone, yeah. but they just they didn't... They ran out of budget or something? Like, um, isn't it, isn't it play, said, Playmates' fault? <laughs> well, okay, so, like, the unused costumes, like, those are all in the action figures, which always confused me. But, like, apparently, like, you know, they made these new designs, which they're, like, you know, double-breasted, like the, you know, Star Trek II uniforms but like apparently they weren't working you know the, whoever designed them and was like you know working on them he was like these just aren't working they don't look right and so they just decided to abandon it so so right. so those double-breasted uniforms would have been worn by the people that were wearing the deep space nine uniforms i think i think originally everyone was supposed to get a oh new okay Okay. Yeah, because like Worf and Troy just had their regular like next generation yeah, yeah. uniforms, I think. So it's like yeah, they didn't another, even have enough. That's another thing that bugged me. Everyone is wearing different uniforms. I was like, why don't you just stick with what you had? Like there was no need to like use these Space Nine uniforms. Like I don't know, whatever. 